and welcome to the Potshot Podcast, an Arsenal podcast for nerds. I'm Alex Towles. And I'm Alex Collins. And this week we are joined by Hugh Davis, who's about to tell me how I should have pronounced his name. Yeah, it's Hugh. <laughs> if I tried to pronounce that correctly, it would sound probably... It, it would sound so awful that it's not even worth the attempt. <laughs> no, don't worry. Lots of Welsh people can't say it right, so uh, you're not alone. That's embarrassing well, for both. Yeah. <laughs> Need to get up that um, Welsh language education. But that's by the by, a topic for another podcast. Hugh is a member of Scouted Football, uh, so he knows a heck of a lot about what he's talking about, and you can find him over on their stuff, and you can also find him on Twitter. I'll plug that at the end of the show. This week, as it's transfer season, we're going to have a look at some potential signings that we could make. But as everyone already knows that we're looking for an attacker, we're going to look at a different area of the pitch. We're going to talk about our midfield and our midfield depth, specifically what we want from the bench midfielders in our squad, what we want from our starting midfielders, and if we still think our midfield has got space to evolve and grow as we get better as a side, and if we're going to make any midfield signings this window. One thing we're not going to talk about, though, is the Spurs game, which may or may not have happened by the time this episode is released. We'll be saving that for next week's show, when we will do an in-depth review of the game and exactly how everything went down. Let's get straight into it by talking about some midfielders. And a few of our backup midfielders got some game time at the weekend against Oxford. I'll be perfectly upfront here. I haven't watched this game. I watched the highlights because I was working when it was on. But that's fine. Uh, Sambi Lakonga, Albert Sambi Lakonga, Fabio Vieira, and Mohamed El Neni was the midfield three that started that game. Am I right in saying? You are. And it's fair to say from what I've been told and what Alex has written on this document in front of me that we struggled to control the game because our midfield was somewhat weak. Uh, Let's start off with Sambi because, uh, Hugh, you wrote a quite glowing profile of him back when he was at Anderlecht uh, and then obviously went on to sign him and a lot of Arsenal fans read your work and got quite excited, myself included, um, but it hasn't quite gone, uh, gone as well as people might have hoped for Sambi at Arsenal. Uh, what have you made of his time at the club? Uh, yeah, you're correct. I was and still am a big fan of Sambi to be fair. I think his time at Anderlecht was a... Uh, was quite an interesting one. He came back from a big injury and came back and established himself as a starter, became club captain. It was quite a uh, quite a storied season he had in that one season in the under Vincent Company. Um I was excited when Arsenal signed him. It's like one of those players like he was one of my favorite players at the time and when your club signs one of your favorite players that not many other people know about, you get that sort of sense of uh, ownership over him. So what has ha- happened in the last two seasons that he's been here has been not underwhelming, but I, it's sort of been a bit disheartening to some extent in in the way that I viewed him initially and the lack. Maybe I I definitely did overrate some aspects of his game coming out of Belgium and the way they would translate to to uh, English football and this Arsenal system. But um, yeah, I I think it's been difficult for him. Uh, there's stuff to like about him. I think we've seen uh, 
quite a few glimpses of what he can do as a midfielder. But I think in this Arsenal system, which is quite specific, he's caught between different roles, which neither of them quite suit him. And he just doesn't really have the, the skill set to fit into either of them or the midfield as a whole, I don't think. I think it's fair to say that the general sentiment among the fan base is of kind of starting to lose faith in Sambi a little bit. Like at the start of the season, uh, when Thomas Partey was injured for a little while and he got some a run of games at number six, uh, I remember we talked on this podcast about how we were excited to see what he could do in the role, and he really struggled. Then obviously he was out the sides, and he wasn't showing much in the eight role in the game against Oxford either. Alex, what can you tell us about? How how exactly has Sambi been struggling? What have we seen that's caused us so such worry? Uh, just the first things. Actually, when he came in um, right at the beginning of the season, I actually thought those early performances replacing Party were impressive on the ball. I don't think Party started off the season particularly well. So Sambi came in. I think he added a lot more in terms of progression, in terms of controlling in possession and then the problem was of course like out of possession it was a complete mess uh i remember that united game very sharply because we went through it in detail afterwards and he was almost just feels like he was a, a second slow to react to everything and i think that alongside sort of impressions i got from from last season was that he is more of an eight and i was quite i was quite encouraged by um by his preseason performances because i do think he has a lot to offer in that sort of like deeper deep arriving eight role I like to kind of call it because he has nice really good control he's good at carrying I think he's actually pretty good passer in the final third um it's a tough one for me I think the defensive stuff's always been a bit of an issue which is why even though he likes to play deeper I don't really see a future for him as a six at Arsenal or at least with what Arteta demands of the six defensively and positionally um but I've been I've been quite disappointed this season because it really feels like he has a lot more to offer that he he just isn't imposing himself on games. He isn't playing with enough intensity, like in possession. Um, and I'm a bit of I'm at a bit of a loss at, as to why he's struggling because it's not even a a level sort of thing. Like I think he was showing a little bit of that early in the season, and then the Europa League games, this recent Oxford United game, you just really don't get that like sense that he's really like imposing himself on the game with qualities that I think we have seen and we saw last season as well. Hugh, do you have any thoughts on why exactly Sambi might be struggling? I think two of the key skills that the the six, especially in this Arteta system, needs is compactness and intensity. Compactness in the ball, on the ball, in terms of their techniques, the techniques, just to punch the ball away sometimes, and then that intensity off the ball to read those situations quicker, to be a step quicker to to the ball, to counter pressure, to to cover those spaces. I think those are two things that Sambi lacks. I think for me. The the one word that I would describe him as is languid. I think he's quite that sort of lolloping, uh, cent- uh, that sort of runner between the boxes. That's what he was at Anderlecht. He was very much a, a six slash eight for me in like a double pivot. He he had that freedom to to hunt for the ball a bit more, to get the get on the ball, uh, to spin out a pressure and then drive in, into the space that his uh, his press resistant created. But in this Arteta system, it's much more disciplined. It's much more positional. Um, you have to be excellent at what you do in terms of the way you uh, read the spaces, the way you uh, sort of stay static in your position almost to, to create those overloads in certain areas. And that's just not something that Sambi has in his skill set, I don't think. 
Uh, sure. I wanted to actually ask though, like, because he's also been playing in the eight role and that's sort of where I wanted to see him this season, especially after his performances in preseason. Um, but he hasn't really been bringing that either. Do you think that's just like a confidence thing from struggling out of possession as more of a six that he started the season as, obviously stepping up for Partey and Elneny who were both injured? But I mean, even in the in the Europa League in this recent Oxford United game, like he was playing a bit more, obviously in, in a bit more of a double pivot role almost, but as as that left-sided player and wasn't bringing, I don't know, the same that I'd, we'd seen even last season. Yeah, I again, I think... At Anderlecht, he was more of a right-sided player, so he'd be that, that right-sided six slash eight that he would go up and down that half space almost. So switching it to the left-hand side is just different angles that angles that he's not used to playing at, I don't think. I think playing ahead of the ball a bit more just doesn't suit his skill set. I think he's that sort of midfielder that you need to get on the ball in the first and second phase just to progress it up up the pitch, and then he can arrive in the final third rather than position himself in the final third initially. So I, I, I think it's just it's just he's caught between roles in this system. He's not really that sort of box to box eight. He's not really the single pivot six. He's sort of a mix between the two and it, it just doesn't really fit in what Arteta wants. And I I think his time at Arsenal is probably coming to an end. I think it's reaching that tipping point now where it would be better for everyone involved if there was just a clean break, go on to a sp- uh, onto a slower league find a role that will suit you, find a team that will suit you. And I think there'll be quite a lot of suitors for him because I'm still pretty high on his talent. It's just not a fit for this Arsenal team. I remember you saying to me at the time when he went straight from underlift to Arsenal that you kind of felt they should have been like a, a league move somewhere in the middle there. And I still kind of do agree that. I've been looking at Nice with Kefren Thuram, like probably leaving someone. I feel like he'd be a pretty good Kefren replacement in that Nice side. And like, it just feels like a right level for, for Sambi. It's, it's something I've been looking at. But I kind of do... It's sad because I really like Sambi, but I, I'm also kind of losing a little bit of faith in like where he fits in. And maybe it is just a role thing, but I also do feel like he was showing more. I guess it, the role on the left side last season, obviously he's played a lot on the left as opposed to the right side of the pivot, was a bit deep. And I agree with your sort of comments on, you know, arriving into the, th- into the final third rather than being positioned there to receive like Jacques has been doing a lot this season. So yeah, it's just a bit of a pity. Where do you see him ending up, you? I think maybe Serie A would suit him. That a bit more, uh, well, slower tempo. I think every, every league's slower compared to the Premier League. But I think that sort of level would suit him. I think I've seen... When I when I initially wrote the piece about Sambi, I thought a move to somewhere like Stad Ren would, uh, would make a lot of sense. That sort of level. Their midfield is a bit is a bit different again to what he offers. So I'm not sure that would be a particularly good fit under Genesio now. But that sort of level of club, that Europa League-y sort of team that has sort of designs to play a bit higher, I think that's sort that's his level. And I really think that if he does find the right place for him, he can he can develop into a into a high level player. But it's just it's just not going to work at Arsenal, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think that is fair to say with where we are at the moment. Uh, obviously, on the other side of the pitch to him, we had Fabio Vieira, who had a very bright start to his Arsenal career. I don't think any of us are going to be talking about him not having a future at Arsenal anytime soon. Uh, but he did struggle in the Oxford game, and he's had a little bit of iffy form recently, leading to him to seem less trusted by Arteta almost. I remember last week we talked about how we think he should have 
came on in the Newcastle game, but Arteta didn't trust him enough to bring him into the side. Uh, Alex, why do you why do you think that Fabio Vieira has been struggling? I will say I just think it's a maybe just a slight drop of a form that is kind of you know there was also that sort of new toy thing when he came in and he scored a couple goals and got assists early that kind of led to that hype and I think there were issues that were always going to be there right from the start. I think physicality he maybe struggles with a little bit. Um and maybe he is a bit more sloppy in possession in deeper areas than I than I thought when I watched. I only watched a little bit of him at Porto. Um but I actually thought he was a much more comfortable deeper there. Maybe he wasn't. Uh I will also say I think we've played him in positions. He kind of plays around the part like the place rather than having a role for him. Like versus Wolves, we kind of slotted him into the Jaka role and then he kind of got eaten up by the the Wolves centre backs for most of the game. But then even then he did end up having a difference making assist. So I think I think he's been struggling maybe because it's just been a bit more evident. Um as with like the new, you know, new signing glasses have kind of come off slightly. Um and also just, you know, being plugged into places rather than having a definitive role. Um and maybe just also in comparison to how how well Erdogan's been playing, I think the fan base is sort of comparing the two a little bit. I'm I'm not worried about um Fabio particularly at all, and I also think I think he'll come along a lot. I think he needed a first season anyways, and he's he's passing with with really good colours so far, if not flying colours, I guess. Yeah. Um Q, we tend to have this view of Fabio Vieira, um, at least in the fan base, not sure if this is the view in the club, uh, that he's basically an Erdogan backup, like he'll just plug into that right centre midfield slot if Erdogan's out for whatever reason, or if he's tired and needs a rest. Um, but obviously he's clearly not quite at Erdogan's level yet. Where do you think Fabio Vieira needs to improve in order to become a better Martin Erdogan? <laughs> Well, I I think the obvious the obvious facet is his physicality. He's he's very slight. He has a lot of room to fill out. I think he can fill out if he's on the right training package or whatever. I think it will just come with time. That's why I'm not particularly worried about what's happening so far because I think these are just natural uh consequences of adapting to a higher league and I think there is that sort of mentality with him which is much more output oriented rather than with Erdogan which is more of a facilitator but he also can provide the output I think Fabio Vieira is very much can I get a shot off can I find the final pass can I can I do the killer the killer action straight away sort of thing so I think again that with the physicality and that sort of mindset it's just about adapting to what Arteta wants what Arsenal need um Initially, when we did first sign him, I'd, I'd never watched him. I just I I knew of him as a player. He was doing pretty well at Porto, in fairly limited minutes. But when I first watched him, I sort of saw him as that final evolution of the Shaka role into the perfect ideal Arteta team in terms of that left-sided number eight that can that can dominate that half space. Whether that will happen, uh, I I'm less con- well, I wasn't convinced anyway. But I'm I'm less hopeful of that happening now but I think yeah I think these are just natural adaptation process and uh, we should judge him in maybe a year or two rather than than now I think it's one of those situations it's almost the reverse of Odegaard where Arteta's kind of coaxing that like output out of Odegaard and it's taken a bit of time I think 
with with Fabio, he needs to still kind of learn the system. There isn't really a role that's like like tailored to him either. I think it's fair to say he is kind of just being plugged in and doing jobs. Um, but I think it'll come. I think the physicality is a big point, and also I'm not too worried about like sometimes you get worried about a player putting on physicality and it's gonna harm their like agility or speed. Like maybe ESR bulking up would that might happen. I'm not too worried with that happening with Fabio either. So I think there's a lot of scope for like improvement just from getting stronger without having like negative sort of things coming into it. Let's take a look now at this current transfer window then. Currently about halfway through as this episode goes out, we've established that we think Fabio Vieira has got a pretty clear spot as one of the eight backups. Let's put him under Erdegaard for now in in our imaginary squad depth spreadsheet that we all have. Um, but that leaves two positions. We've got Granite Xhaka and Thomas Partey's roles that need backups. Thomas Partey's got Moan Lenny, and we'll come back to him in a minute. But Sambi under Xhaka, it sounds like we've got a little bit of a worry there. Do you think, Hugh, that we need to go out and sign another midfielder this window to be as Xhaka backup? In an ideal world, yes. I don't think it's feasible at all, though, to get the sort of profile that you'd you'd probably want in this wind uh, in that position. Um, I I think this will be something for the summer, similar with the uh, with the six role. Um, I think losing Shaka would be huge because he's almost a unicorn player to some extent in this system. I think the stuff that he brings on and off the pitch, those intangibles as well as what you can do on the ball, off the ball, the way that he he is a leader. I think, I think he would be a massive loss. I think we've seen when when he has been out the team, the team doesn't perform to the same level. So that would be a huge worry if, or if he does uh, get injured or something or suspended. I think he's pretty durable anyway, so it's quite unlikely that he does get injured, but it's obviously a possibility. So I think you're riding a you're you're relying on a bit of luck to not replace uh, to not find an alternative for him this this window but it's such a difficult window to do that sort of business so I think this will be something for the summer uh, yeah I completely agree on I think the flexibility sort of unicorn point that that show made is like a big one um, I mean the way we use Jaka obviously like when we position him high he is pretty much like the physical guy pinning back the back line at times we don't have someone who can do that in terms of Sambi whether it's ESR coming in who could be playing on that left side of eight rolls people have kind of guessed Fabio can't do it he can kind of sit in the seam and like play through there but he can't really pin players back um and obviously he's doing it a bit less now Shaka another point of his like flexibility as he's coming in since we since we've lost uh Gabby J um but yeah we don't really have a player who can like in the same game go from being pinned up there to coming and playing a bit more withdrawn so I think it's a big thing even in-game um flexibility so yeah it would be a huge loss um I think we'd probably find some sort of solution to try get around it. Um, but yeah, obviously, I think also the intangibles is a big point. In terms of his leadership, the the aggression even he adds into the squad when he's there um, and the urgency that he kind of almost puts into the play just by being in the team adds a lot. So yeah, he'd be a big, he'd be a big miss, as would Partey, who I think we're going to get on to. Yeah, I think that's a big thing about Xhaka's game is that ability to impose himself on a game which you noted earlier that Sambi doesn't have 
Uh, I think it's something that I especially really underappreciated about Shaka earlier on uh, in his time at Arsenal. Uh, but I think that's probably because it's fair to say that he used to impose himself on a game by getting red carded. <laughs> and now he imposes himself <laughs> on the game by getting important goals and getting important assists. Also, to be fair, we were shit. So it's a bit less of yeah. like, oh, well, at least he's imposing a bit of urgency there. Now that we're winning, it's easier to point yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he, like, he's always had that uh, that drive that like grip between his teeth to want to make an impact on the game and i think we're seeing the best version of that now that we have of his time at arsenal but as you said we want to talk about thomas Partey, uh and it's fair to say that thomas Partey does a heck of a lot at the base of Arsenal's midfield. For the time being we've got Mohamed El Neni as his number one backup at the sixth position. Hugh, do you think that we need to replace El Neni this window or is he fine and through to the summer? Again, I think it's a similar case as with the 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 Shaka alternative. I think it's such a difficult window to get that sort of business done so you have to rely on guys like El Neni and I think El Neni is quite dependable. I think what he offers, you know what he gives you. I think Arteta likes him he's of he he as well has those intangibles which are which are key and i i think they are downplayed quite a lot by certain people especially those who are in that sort of analytics community that they they sort of just push them aside but those intangibles are key to teams to winning teams especially so i think el is a good guy to have around the dressing room obviously uh everyone seems to love him and I think what he can provide on the pitch is, is is steady enough to to tide over those three or four games that he might be needed for. Outside of the like intangible stuff, it's been a while since we've talked about Mo Alnelli. So can you give us an idea of what he does provide the team outside of the intangibles, obviously? I, I, th- I think he just gives you that, again, that sort of compactness and that intensity on and off the ball. I think you can, you can rely on him to be that... Uh, to, to counter press, he can cover the right spaces. He's pretty mobile, quite leggy. Um, I think he's pretty level headed in the way he reads games and stuff. So I think he does, he is a decent fit for what Arteta wants. He's not the ideal fit, obviously. I think Partey is, 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 is a really good fit for what Arteta wants in that role. But as that sort of backup, that guy around the squad, he doesn't seem to moan at all. He just does his job when, if and when needed. So I think as that sixth month backup for now, He's fine. What do you think he's missing then? I just don't think he's good enough on the ball to be the starting level player. I think he's just a couple of levels below what you ideally want in that role. But as the backup, you can't really ask much more of him, I don't think. It it is one of those things that are that I think if our current um defensive midfielder party is injured for three months, I think that's like that's pretty harmful to the title challenge. Um just because of, of exactly as, as Shu said, what, what Elneny doesn't really give us in possession. And it's, it's important to what we do to being able to break pressure and move the ball forward and continue that attacking threat and not get caught out deeper. Not that Elneny really does. I think he's quite safe on the ball. Um, but yeah, it's one of those situations where we are going up against, you know, one of the all time teams. I know they're slightly worse this year, I think, than they have been recently. But it's one of those things where if you don't have a backup who can pretty much do what your current starter does, then yeah, then then you could lose, you, you know, you could fall off behind and not be in a title challenge anymore. So it is one of those situations where you kind of feel like, despite him being really handy backup, and I agree with all the points that Shur made, like we would kind of need 
to be safe and to want to, you know, stay in the challenge and, and Partey has been injury prone, you would kind of want a replacement to come in. I think if I had to choose between a Xhaka backup and a, and a Partey backup, it would easily be the latter that we need to bring in if I wanted to make sure that we were staying in this title challenge. I think we're all in agreement that like these backup positions are pretty crucial, but we're probably not going to get we're not probably not going to get an upgrade in either of them this window at least. So let's have a cast our minds forward a little bit longer and think to the future of Arsenal's midfield uh, and think about our starters. Actually, do we think Hugh? that this starting three, Xhaka, Odegaard and Partey, is as good as it's going to get? Or do you think that we can upgrade on what we've got right now? Um, I think you probably can upgrade. I think if you look at that Xhaka role, again, it's sort of, it's a really difficult role. It's a difficult profile to find. But I think if you look at someone maybe like Ilkay Gundogan, uh, obviously he's not the right age profile at all, but in terms of, what you want from that role. Maybe Gundogan is another level again than Shaka. Um, I think Party is 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 probably as good as you're going to get almost. Maybe now he's... he's. Uh, I think he'll drop off the level fairly soon with his injuries and stuff. But I think he's the sort of level that you'd want in that role That and the way he fulfills it. Um, so I think you can definitely upgrade whether the, whether you go out and try and find immediate upgrades or guys that you can develop within the club for a, a year or two while backing up players like Shaka and Partey is a different thing. Personally, I think we can probably get a, at least an alternative to Xhaka in terms of someone who can offer different things that Xhaka doesn't quite offer. Um, I don't think we actually... I, I'm not sure we're looking to get like a like-for-like replacement of Xhaka going forward. I think with Partey, whoever comes in will probably be a long-term you know, the guy to succeed him rather than replace him from next season. Or even be be someone, you know, you choose between on a game-to-game basis. Whereas I think Xhaka could be next season, whoever the left-sided player we get in is, could be like someone Arteta decides between, depending on who the opposition is. What do you think that alternate profile for Xhaka could be, Alex? Uh, so my, my idea of what that role what that left-sided role is has changed a lot since preseason. I actually remember speaking with Sho as well again at the beginning of the season, and the names I had in my head were like Vitinha, going from Vitinha to guys like Manu Kone. For someone kind of who plays from deep and carries forward, kind of keeps things ticking over, keeps keeps pressure and dictates from a little bit deeper. Um, but seeing how we use Xhaka now, um, I kind of it's completely changed to someone who's a bit more like can receive high. Um, and kind of play in that space and actually get into the box and shoot themselves, which is where I think I see these like Xhaka limitations. Like even the Newcastle game, when he was positioned high, but you know, ball coming into him, he doesn't turn that quickly because he's not super press resistant. I think he's shown a lot of ability to pin players and, and kind of play those offload passes high, but not really to take it with him himself because um, he has a little bit of a lack of ability on the turn, uh, dribbling and carrying. Also, just mobility running in behind. He makes nice runs in behind, but he does lack that little bit more burst that I think you could get from someone else and we could kind of add a whole other level to our play, right? Uh, so I don't know. The, the sort of guys that I've actually had in mind have changed like radically. I've been looking at like Ebreche Eze as someone that I think would be really nice in that left-sided role and could rotate nicely with sort of the left wing. Um, 
I don't know if Joe Rebo's the level. I've only watched one a couple matches of him, but he has impressed me. And apparently played deeper at Rangers, kind of arrived from deeper. Um, and then maybe like a rogue shot, Alex Awobi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would just want to bring him. I love Awobi. I don't think he kind of offers that threat you'd want in the box, but he has been really good as a left-sided eight for, for Everton. And he, he's kind of showing everything that I thought he could be when he was back at Arsenal. So... I would, I would love from a maybe a bit more sentimental level. I'd love Iwobi to be that sort of alternative to Xhaka that we could bring in for next season. There's this guy that I've heard of uh, playing in the depths of France. He, he's Welsh, actually, Hugh, that we could bring in to fill that role. A guy called Aaron Ramsey. You heard of him? <laughs> maybe if Aaron was ten years younger, uh, he would be a decent fit. But um, I think for what he is now, I think he's he's well past it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm interested in what you kind of see for that left-sided eight role. I'm not sure if it's similar to what I'm looking at, but yeah. I, I think it is quite similar to... This is why I was thinking maybe Fabio Vieira could have been that. I thought he was that maybe that final evolution of that role. And maybe that's what I, that's what I initially thought they were buying him for, to, to be that cover on the right-hand side to start with, but then to, to maybe learn. The thing that I was... The thing that I was... I have been deliberating is whether Erdegaard can can flip over to that side because, again, he's left-footed, which is... I'm not sure how big the left-footed thing is for that role, for what Ateta wants, but I think it does give you a bit more, a few more angles, but I think it's something that would be a difficult transition considering I think he's always at, or only ever played on that right-hand side as a left-footer coming inside, so it would be different for him to play at different angles, but... um. Yeah, I, I think my outlook on it is is fairly similar to you. I think we need that 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 player that can be a threat in the box as well as and in the final third as well as dropping a bit deeper to help progress play. So uh, yeah, I think it's a difficult one to fill. Yeah, also just that added physicality and mobility is maybe why I think Vieira doesn't quite seem to. Be. I agree with the left footedness though, and Odegaard himself is someone. Last season, I remember when Xhaka got injured and we were just struggling to progress. I was dying for us to kind of bring Odegaard into the left side of the pivot and just see see how it would work at least in a game or two. We never got to, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Arteta does see that, but maybe last season, of course, our whole in possession plan at the end of the day was just trying to get Odegaard and Saka to link up and make something happen. So, so it could have just come down to that. Do you have any players in mind that you you would think outside of like the the guys that I kind of shouted out? Right, I'm I'm going to go a bit left field here. I'm putting my scouting football cap on. <laughs> and I'm going a bit obscure. So one name that I have down is Arden Yashari. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's he plays. I have with no him. idea who that guy is. <laughs> he's, not a clue. He's, Never heard of him. He's Swiss. He's left-footed. Uh, he was at the World Cup. Actually, he was one of the one of the late call-ups. Uh, he was made his debut in, at the World Cup. Actually, uh, but he plays with Luzern in in the Swiss Super League. He's he's the captain of the club already. Uh, I think he's 20 years old. Born in 2002. Uh, he's that sort of six slash eight profile at the moment, but he is a bit more technical than Shaka is. Um, so I, I reckon he could be a bit more impactful in that role. Not immediately. I'm looking three or four years down the line, but I think, um, he does have that sort of similar Shaka, Shaka-ness about him in terms of he's not super quick, but he's, he's quite sturdy. He's, he uses his, uh, stature pretty well. Um, he's fairly mobile. He's a, very talented passer, especially from deep. He's got a good range of passing. He's quite compact again. I think compactness is a big thing for me now, which I look for in players. 
in terms of how quick quick they are on the ball. Um, so he's one that would be an interesting an interesting option. I did just want to quickly ask Hugh, what the player you've described does sound like a Swiss Sambi. So please tell me what's different <laughs> to him from Sambi. It's it's not com- not languid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Genuinely, that is exactly it. He's he's much more compact. So he uses the ball quicker. He moves the ball on quicker. He can play on the half turn a bit quicker. So I think that that's a difference. Um, and then the other name, and another obscure name, is Adam Wharton from Blackburn. That one I have heard of. Have you exactly? So he's not obscure as I thought, but. Um, he hasn't really broken into into a starting role at Blackburn yet. He's a 2004-born left-sided, but he's completely two-footed. He has that sort of elusiveness on the ball. Uh, he can he can drive forward with it. He can play those final passes off either foot down that half space. So he's a name that I would definitely track uh, in the in the coming year or so. Uh, and then the other one from the championship is uh, Charlie Patino. I, I don't know what you guys think about. <laughs> I don't know what you guys see as his role going forward, but I think, again, he is that sort of, that unicorn sort of profile almost. And he, he sort of is quite a good fit for that role. See, this is how my kind of planning goes in my own head, like my head canon for how it's going to work for Patino is that I think he probably does need another loan. Maybe, I don't know. Coming up next season, I'm I'm not quite sure. I actually haven't watched him at, at um at Blackpool, and I was a bit skeptical from a physical perspective. I remember when he went there, I was a bit worried, but it sounds like he's been doing well, so I'm happy. Gonna try catch some footage at some point. But my sort of idea for him is that he probably does need one more loan. It would make sense to me. Um, and then we're getting a new guy in, but then Jacques, you know, he kind of comes in as that Jacques replacement. I kind of think he is perfect for that that spot in terms of weight, what he can be going forwards. Um, in his career, I would love him there. That would be that would be perfect. <laughs> T- touching on Adam Wharton, I haven't watched any of him myself, but I do keep an eye on like EFL content, uh, especially shout out not the top twenty podcast. Yeah, they put yeah, him yeah. in their twenty one EFL footballers under twenty one for this season. Um, I they did say uh, very recently that he's been out of the side because their manager says that he's got some struggles out of possession. So that that would be a pretty big red flag for me personally if he's struggling out of possession. I don't think he'd be able to come and slot in in an Arteta side uh, if he's not not got the off the ball ability. But everything I've heard about him on ball sounds really great. I want to throw one more name in there that isn't a realistic option at all, but it does make me sad that we didn't get him. As I think Chukwe Mecca would have been yeah. perfect for that left-sided role. Um, yeah, that's a bit that's sad. Right. That the Chelsea system will spit him out for about 15 million <laughs> in 18 months. <laughs> we can get Casadai as well, why not? Well, as, as I was listening to your discussion, I got a little bit, like, well, not not concerned, but confused, because I thought... Hang on, I, I thought Granit Xhaka did have like some defensive bite. Like, what? What is the? We're looking at like attacking midfielders here. Do we really need something a little bit more defensive? So I went to everyone's favourite website, FBRF, uh, <laughs> to have a look at Granit Xhaka's defensive numbers, uh, and I'm just gonna just gonna read you some of them. Uh, tackles first percentile 0.82 per 90 interceptions 0.57 per 90 10th percentile blocks 0.76 per 90 11th percentile so if you're worrying that we're not looking at a defensive enough player for a Xhaka replacement I don't think you need to worry <laughs> to be fair I think I think 
I don't trust FBREF's defensive numbers. <laughs> I mean, have you seen Odegaard's? Like, you can see, when you watch Odegaard, you can see what he's doing, especially in the counter press, and it doesn't show up in any numbers. I get it, but I think, I think that, if, I think it can quantify what you do on the ball really well, but not necessarily what you do off the ball. And I think whoever that Jaka replacement's going to be, it does have to be someone who is alert defensively, prepared to track back, prepared to work. Yeah, and exactly. As, as Shu would say, be compact. So, so I do think it is a, it is an important part of the role. That's why actually Eze is someone who, watching him this season, I really think he could do it. Um, I'm a big fan of him in that sort of midfielderish role he's playing, a bit deeper midfielderish role than I've than I've seen before. Let's have a think then. We've talked about ideal Jacky replacements. Do we have any ideal number sixes? Uh, like we talked about how Thomas Partey is pretty good, but. Also, we should be looking at a long-term successor because he's starting to get on a little bit in age. And if we want to be an Arsenal dynasty and not just one season of being quite good, <laughs> then we should probably look to get in someone a little bit younger who can take over the role in the coming years. Hugh, do you have anyone who you would like to slot in as the Arsenal number six in the future? I think I know exactly who. <laughs> I was just going to say, I bet you Alex will already guess this. <laughs> um, it's Romeo Lavia. Yes. Is that the same? Yeah, there we go. From yeah, he's my top point. He's my top one as well. So I'll yeah. let you take it away. I think, I think in terms of just the profile, the way he already understands the very specific role, the way his skill set is very suited to it. I think as we've seen at Southampton already, he's made a big impression, but it was pretty obvious he was going to make one given what he was doing at City at youth level. You could, he was playing four years above his age and just standing out straight away in terms of what he did on the pitch in in a very specific role. I think there's quite a big crossover between what he was doing in that City role to what he would do as the party alternative. So he's quite disciplined. He's very mature in the way he reads play. Uh, again, he's compact and intense uh, with and without the ball. He moves it quickly. He's not really a dribbler, but he, can, he has that sort of elusive spin out of pressure and then he just moves it on quickly. I, I think that's a big thing for Arteta. He doesn't really want these big, driving, ball-carrying midfielders in that role. He wants someone that will just get on the ball, move it on, help build play in that sort of way rather than progress it themselves. So I think Lavia is the standout name for me. I, I don't see a better profile out there than, than him in terms of what he already can do, what he hopefully can be. The only thing that maybe is putting me off him a little bit in, in recent months is how how susceptible to injury he seems to be. He's had two or three now at Southampton, uh, which have which has stunted his season. But I think Lavia is more or less the perfect profile. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that, I completely agree with, with Shaw in terms of what, what Arteta wants from a defensive midfielder. And it is someone who is press res- resistant, but not necessarily going to go off and like come a finger, run up the, yeah. the field with it. Yeah. it. It's it's because, you know, obviously Arteta's almost a pervert for like defensive shape and being prepared. And all he needs his defensive midfielder to do is be able to get the ball forward and protect space. And I think Romeo Lavia almost makes sense to me as someone that Arteta might like in terms of profile, not necessarily ability yet, um, more than Partey. And this is just like a... A sort of suspicion I have given, you know, it does come from Pep, and I think Pep does like his defensive midfielders being a little bit more um, high volume passes, metronomic than than Partey has been for 
for Arsenal. Um, I think Partey is almost pretty much perfect for Arteta once, but he does lack that a little bit in terms of his, his pass selection can be a bit sloppy at times, and he doesn't have that like metronomic sort of understanding of like rhythm and just getting the ball, making that decision, like that right passing decision, you know, 19 out of 20 times, which is what, from what I've watched of Lavia, he absolutely does do, while still having that mobility, that understanding of space and and what spaces he needs to kind of protect, which is obviously key for Arteta. Um, just to add another thing, I think, is I remember Arteta being interested in Jorginho, who is obviously very different, but the one thing he does do is he is that metronome. So yeah. I think it is something Arteta likes a lot in a player. Um, so I think he could even be like the next step in that evolution of what he of what we might want at defensive midfield. And I think Lavia is... I agree with the the injury concerns, but I think he's like a fantastic player. I would not mind spending all of our money next next season on him. Well, next exactly. This him. is the thing. I think the move to Southampton was a good one. I thought Southampton, obviously, they got him by via the links through City, um, but to get him for twelve million, there's a there's a buyback in in the in the deal apparently. But I I don't really see him wanting to go back to City, given. They spent what fifty million to replace him with Calvin Phillips, and as we saw in that in the League Cup game just recently, Lavia absolutely floored him. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think with Southampton's troubles themselves, they might go down. So it could be a quite an attainable deal for Arsenal at a, at a cheaper rate. So um, I think in terms of everything, he is pretty much the perfect profile. And also, just in terms of age profile, I mean. As Partey will be on his decline, there's a nice sort of smooth transition for him to become a starter that you can kind of, you can you can show him that sort of that map into being a first team starter that it's quite there. Whereas with Rodri, he's still wait, he's 27, yeah. maybe even 26 still. Like he's young, he's going to be around for a while unless he wants to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona or wherever. He is 26 still. Yeah, but I I do think, given the buyback clauses there. I think it's probably fair to assume that City will take it. I don't and think in th- that very unideal world, I don't think we so, will need... Because he has... What? How old is, Kev- is Calvin Phillips? Just let, 20... me segue, Wait, sorry, let, let me segue, Alex. Let me segue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that very unideal world where he just goes back to uh, goes back to City and becomes the best defensive midfielder in the world Ooh. over there, we need another name. So, Alex, who else do you think we should go for? I have three names that I that I'm looking at. I think one is also rather boring and spoken about, and he would probably need more work to adapt to being an Arteta six. But I think he has the the skill set to do it. Um, it's Moises Caicedo. I think he has a lot that he can do in that role. I think he's very mobile. I think he has good defensive instincts, which I think is probably the first thing Arteta looks at. Um, he's really good on the ball. He's, he's nicer on the ball than Partey is. I think. Um, I think some of his tendencies would still need to be. Um, molded a bit, but I think all the talents there to to be that six for us. I think even when Partey came in, there were some things that needed to be molded. So I think Arteta wouldn't be wouldn't be turned off by that. Um, but yeah, so I think Moises Caicedo is the other one. I'm not sure if I should just list the other two. Um, Go for it. One I haven't even watched the season, but I'm happy he's doing well again. Is Florentino Luis? Uh, I think yeah. Shu's probably watched a bit of him, so he could probably step in there yeah um he had a couple of of weird loans to monaco and then getafe uh he was obviously very highly highly rated coming out of the academy at benfica and he had those sort of down years but he's come back in now he's got that uh that role next to enzo fernandez which is 
which is um, really suited him under Roger Smith. And um, yeah, I think he does feel that sort of, he is that sort of leggy ball winner, but he can be that metronomic passer as well in terms of just the way he has that sort of grasp on tempo and stuff. So um, yeah, he's an interesting option for sure. And even even someone who can resist pressure pretty well and then still make that part, that right decision right afterwards is quite, what I, what I from what I've watched him, what I like and what I think he kind of comes in. And the last guy is, is a guy I've liked since last season, um, is Lucas Gonodua. I oh, think he yeah. could be, yeah, he, he's one a bit more of a project one than the other ones were suggested, but, but I mean, he's just I gone. I don't know and, who this player is. Please tell me who this player is. <laughs> who plays for. So he was, he, was, he was a son Etienne player, um, and as Malta, a friend of the pod, always mocks me. I'm always, I always end up loving Saint Etienne, um, <laughs> youth players. But no, he he was very good last season in a really shit Saint Etienne side, um, and he's gone. He is, I believe, Salzburg's record fee for about twelve million. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a sizable transfer for them, and it's a show of how highly they believe in him. And he's been good in the three or four matches I've caught of them this season. Um, also, another person I think the main thing I'm looking for is mobility and good defensive instincts. And then he also still has that ability to carry out a pressure. Play some ni- he played some nice passes versus Chelsea in the in the Champions League. He had a very impressive um, cameo off the bench that kind of changed the match in their favor. I think it ended up being one one. This was this was Potter's first match actually, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly. Yeah. But yeah, he's a he's a player he's a player I like a lot. Um, and yeah, I think I think he fits the mold. He probably would end up being the cheapest of all of these guys, but still at a cool I don't know what Salzburg would sell at forty million. At, at minimum, but yeah, I guess we'll get into shows uh, such other suggestions just now. But I think whoever whoever we get, I'm probably prepared to pay a pretty good price on their p- potential. Yeah, Hugh, uh, let's go through the rest of the names on your list. Please don't tell me they're all the same. <laughs> uh, no, they're not. Well, one well, of hey. them one of them is now obsolete because uh, I had this discussion with Alex. Uh, earlier in the season and one of the names I suggested was Andre Santos Andre Santos yeah <laughs> from uh, Vasco da Gama which was well, well they were in the Brazilian second division but now they've just been uh, promoted and he's just signed for Chelsea so that's uh, that's already a no-go but he again he, he was more of a project player in terms of what I saw that he could be in that single pivot role but in reality he's very a literal box-to-box player like he's one of those players he, he takes goal kicks and then he'll just go up the other end and get a shot off. So he's very <laughs> extremely box to box. So it was more of a, more of a just a weird idea in my head. But I think he had the skills to play that sort of role, that sort of dynamic uh, role in 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 the midfield. Uh, again, though, I've not really thought too much into this role. I think it's a difficult role to fill. I like Alex's su- suggestions, especially uh, Gorna Duath. Uh, in terms of if you want a player that can come in straight away and and be the starter, what about Declan Rice? Alex is going to disagree with you. <laughs> uh, he's going to disagree with you. I'm telling it's you. It's not. Let me let me say. I think in terms of, I can see that that she was developed a, like a compactness fetish. But I agree. I think in terms of <laughs> defensive ability, in terms of defensive ability, like I don't think we can get better than than Declan Rice. Um, and I wouldn't say, I think he'd improve us. My only thing is that it's just that in possession in the first phase, in that deeper phase, I feel like he, I always, when I watch him, I get the ick. I won't lie. He's, he's like a bit of yeah. a liability. He doesn't really turn that well. Um, 
What he often ends up getting is he gets pressed and he's a good carrier, but he'll just carry like back towards his goal and trying to find a pass. And that that just from a non-analytical point, that just gives me the ick. So I struggle to like rep Again, the guy. Yeah. He he <laughs> he would I, I I like him more than most, I think. I, I think some people are a bit too harsh on him. They they don't quite understand him uh completely. I think he's a bit better than, than what people think. But again, it wouldn't be a, a good fit in terms of you'd have to learn the role, a very specific role. And what is he now? He's 23, is he? So he was coming into his prime. You'd have to pay like 80 plus million to get him. So it, it's just not a good fit. But I think he's he's a sort of interesting consideration, possibly. I mean, I think defensively he would be... I don't think we can get better than him, pretty much. I think he's fantastic defensively. I also... I'll I'll be honest. I mean, I, I've come slowly come more on side. I think he's pretty good in possession once he's facing the right way yeah, and yeah. going forwards. It's just getting him to get to that position, and I think it's that liability in that first in that first phase, which is really important, and which is why that like press resistance and that being able to like get your angles right, which is something Partey does well, which is something I think all the players we've sort of spoken about do pretty well. Is that's where I kind of doubt Declan Rice. Um, but it's interesting. The one thing I have thought is that he'd probably be a pretty good Xhaka replacement, like a pretty amazing Xhaka replacement in terms of like box threats, um, being able to pin beat that physical presence. He's a really good carrier. Once you get him into the second half, into the what the opponent's half, he's incredibly good at carrying the ball and, forward. And the thing I do like about him, he's he can take games by the scruff of the neck. I think if you're looking for someone yeah, to true. have an impact on games, he's... I think Rice can be that guy that puts the team on his shoulders almost and goes, all right, I'm going to fucking do this. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> I'm, no, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to drive the ball up to the box. I'm going to be the one that, that makes a difference. I think he does have those intangibles. So, yeah, he's, he's another decent option for the Shaka role, but he's very much a, a, a win-now signing almost in terms of how he'd fit in. The other nice thing I do think is that in terms of, you know, we kind of get this thing, I've called it like pressure cooker before, where we kind of get like our five up front, even our two um, fullbacks yeah. kind of inverting it high and everyone like teams struggle to get out. I th- And then the, the DM's job is basically just sweeping up and, and recycling the ball back in to keep the pressure up. I think Rice would be pretty perfect um, at that. Like I saw, I've seen him for England. I've seen him for for West Ham do that or West Ham less because they can't really keep pressure themselves but he's very good at cleaning up and just keeping the ball high I think the other thing that Rice is is good at which is quite um, pertinent for Arsenal is that he defends the box really well he can drop back in between the centre backs which is something that Partey does quite a lot if you watch him he can once the ball's in wider areas and the crosses are coming in Partey often quite drops quite deep to help the centre backs clear the ball out so I think that's something that Rice does really well as well but Lavi is the one for me. Right. Let's finish off the show as we usually do. And I don't think Hugh is aware of this unless Hugh has been listening along to our last few episodes. I've got a trivia book for Christmas and we do a question out of it to end the show. So it's time for that. <laughs> the current standings are the book has one point. Uh, Alex has one point and the guest has no points. Obviously, the book gets a point if no one can get the answer right. Uh, gonna flick to a rant. Oh, no! Hugh, can I have a number between 15 and 130? 74. 74. Okay, and I'm gonna pick one of the questions on here. 
How many goals did Olivier Giroud score for Arsenal? Was it A, 98, B, 105, C, 109, or D, 110? Hugh, as the guest, you can go first. Well, if it's not it's not A. I reckon it is C, 109. Alex Gollings, what do you think? Uh, I think I think it is also 109. I think Walcott might be 105, but I'll say 105. It is Collings 2. Oh, really? Book, okay, cool. Book 1. <laughs> Guess nil. The uh, correct answer is B, 105 goals. Congratulations if you got that right at home. If you didn't get that right at home, oh well. Uh, we will be back with more trivia questions and a much more in-depth discussion of Tottenham next week. Uh, apologies that we haven't really done that at all today, uh, but I'm sure you've enjoyed us fantasizing about signing defensive midfielders <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much to Hugh for coming on the show if people want to find more of you where can they do it they can find me predominantly at Scouted Football on uh, on Twitter and everywhere else and then if you want to follow my personal account it's uh, Football Hugh uh, the spelling's weird so just type in Hugh L-L-E-W on, on, on the search you'll probably find me so yeah It'll be in the description, so don't you <laughs> worry about that. Of course, Collings has been here. Thank you, Alex. How are you doing? Um, I'm Enjoyed good, it? thank you. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. He got through his 20 pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them not used, but yeah, no, I'm good. And now I'm basking in my 2-1-0 win of the... I realise both times I've won, I've said I think the other person's right, but I'll just take this answer. <laughs> so maybe I should just keep going Believe with that. Yeah. yourself more. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pro strat, I do have to say. Maybe I'll have to make you go first more often. Uh, but if you want to find Alex, you can do so on Twitter at AlexFRCO. You can find me on Twitter at AlexTowels. You can find the show on Twitter at PotShotPod. You can find the man who makes our intro and outro music on the Spotify's at JW Blake. His name is James Blake. He makes some lovely stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you leave us a kind review or recommend us to your friends who want to know more about how Arsenal do the tactics stuff or how Romeo Lavia is going to sign for us next season. <laughs> we'll be back with Spurs chat next week. See you there. <laughs>